Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 321 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode I chat to James Morwood and Henry Pullen of Bitloom Games about their action-adventure game Fogs. I guess it's an action-adventure game. No it is. It's more of a puzzle co-op game but it doesn't have to be co-op. But you do play or control a sausage dog that doesn't have any legs but does have two heads. It's a fog, not not a dog, to be clear. Now, I first encountered fogs at a PAX, I think. Remember those events used to go to? They're going to happen again soon. It'll be fine. Everyone will be back to normal. I mean, at the time you're listening to this, it might all be fine by then. If that's true, future people, yay! But right now, yeah, not so much. But yeah, fogs is a fantastic, fun, fun game. Uh, published by Coatsync, by the way, in case, you, in case you're wondering. I don't know. And it's available on all of the regular platforms and things, I think. It's, it's, it's out there. It's, it's, on, it's out all over the place. And uh, it's a beautiful, bright, fun experience. And it's very jovial. There's not a lot of darkness to it. There's some, a little bit of melancholy, but you then bring the brightness to it because you play a fog. It's a fog. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, there's always a, a bright spark uh, in various expos I'll go to over the, uh, during the year when they would happen. And um, yeah, I'm really, really happy that I had Henry and James on the show to chat about its design and development. So you really want me to shut up and let them talk, don't you? That's fine. That's, I'm not, I won't take any personal offence for that impatience. Chris, please get us out of this. James and Henry. Who are you and what do you do? Hi, I'm uh, Henry. Uh, I'm programmer, composer and designer over at uh, Bitloom. And I'm James. I also help with the programming and design at Bitloom. And we make Fogs, which just released. Which just just indeed released at the time of recording. Yes. What a a thing. What a a time to release a game. Just (laughs) to another... Title begins with the letter C. Um, so, <laughs> so annoying. Uh, but that aside, that's that's yeah irrelevant. Um, well, let's just keep going with the sort of the, the flow of things as regards to James and Henry rotate between you. Um, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Um, well, me and. Uh... Me and Jamie actually went to high school together, um, and there we kind of met and realized that we were both interested in making games. Um, And then we kind of played around with Unity and stuff together and then um, ended up going to university. Uh, We both studied at uh, Abertay, 
Uh, and then from there, uh, we met Doug, the, uh, the third partner in crime at Bitloom. Uh, and uh, we just decided we wanted to make a go of it. And from then ended up making Fogs just as we graduated uni. Wow. So you actually, um, uh, that's, that's a, a story you really hear on this show. Uh, most of the time, uh, we do get, I don't know, I was about six, and I started plugging away at a Commodore 64, and then here I am. <laughs> uh, that, that, that sometimes happens. I mean, you probably were lectured by people like that who were, who were uh, at, at university who did that very thing, who actually were doing that. But for you to actually, yeah. you know, because these, these, these courses, I mean, these are relatively young, aren't they? How did you find it? How did, did you, obviously, you, you, you learned something, otherwise you wouldn't be here talking to me. I mean, Fogs is at a extraordinary achievement it really is i'm not you know um it is an exquisite game it's just so well crafted so what what is the best thing you found or what you know found of that experience of of studying reading as you as we say in the uk reading uh um game design at, at university how did you find it well originally henry and i were uh just looking at different courses and came across Aberté because they had um, an event every year that attracted a lot of people to come and play the games made by students and we actually visited Dundee and we played the games and kind of found out about the various courses they offered and at the time we were teaching ourselves programming and um, learning at high school and so we decided to try and get into one of these courses that we'd seen all of these games come out of. And we're both fortunate enough to be accepted. And um, yeah, over the course of university, I think both of us have said multiple times, the most important experience we had was meeting other people. And I think a lot of people have that at university, being able to find your peers and find people with the same passion. And Douglas, the artist at Bitloom, was one of those people who we met slightly later in university and ended up collaborating on multiple small projects. Uh, yeah, and just having those interactions where we could learn from each other was so important and I think more than anything else taught us the skills we needed <laughs> to go on and make something as big as folks. Yeah, it's a sizable game. That's got to be said. I mean... Oh, there's content uh, and good, wholesome for the most part, content. <laughs> um, but uh, no, uh, I, I, that's really encouraging to hear, uh, to know that these courses have matured to a point where they are worthwhile and they are teaching you certain, because there are now vast libraries worth of books on the subject of game design alone. I mean, have been for decades, but now they're really quite numerous. Mm -hmm. And it's really encouraging to see because that's what I'm finding a lot of people have actually now, it's happened quite a lot, especially in the last five years, people actually going back to older games and going, well, much older games, and going, you know what, let's just take that and do it again using the sensibilities that we now understand we've learned over the last 30 to 40 years and then putting it into the same and see what happens. Sometimes it <laughs> works. Sometimes it really doesn't. And that's fine. You know, that's a part of the process of creation, isn't it? Sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's, it's really encouraging because I, again, I, I grew up at a time when the only courses you could take were basically computer science if you wanted to do video games. And that's really not, you know, that's just part, that's the, that's just basically learning about the tool of how to program. It's not really actually the, the final act of creating a, a game. It's, it's, it's just the, the, it's a bit like learning about the spanner. <laughs> actually, <you know. laughs> it's like okay, great it's analogy. Just, it's just like yeah, great. <laughs> like, no, yeah. Just, what, what about the engine? Oh no, no it's the spanner. It's just, but the engine? No, no, it's just there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just rubbish. So, um, no, no offense to anyone studying computer science. Fair play to you. You know, without you, we'll be just playing. You know, Magic the Gathering. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this next question's a tough one to answer. Most developers stumble on this one. It's okay. You're amongst friends if you do. 
<laughs> but it's an important question to ask because you've created something and this drives me personally to ask this very fundamental question of anyone who creates something and that is what do you believe are your biggest influences uh i i can start i think the the games are the obvious uh influence when we're talking about design on things but actually with with fogs a huge part of the influence was the kinds of um, cartoon uh, worlds, these like wonderful, colorful, silly, over-the-top worlds like Adventure Time and um, other ad- kind of adventure stories that take you on these magical adventures and a lot of Fogs is trying to bring the player into that uh, magical space. Um, And so, yeah, we definitely took influence from that and as well as video games and other places. So the the wondrous worlds are the things that... uh that you're drawn to and you want to recreate because that you've definitely done that with Fogs. Oh boy, that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything else? Um, I, I think with specifically with with Fogs, I think we weren't trying. We did. We tried not to um, say specific. Like specifically with games, we tried not to say, "Oh, hey, let's try and." recreate this element of this game or let's try and do this thing like this other thing. But I think it's it's easy to forget like how much you're just influenced by you know, your your way of thinking is influenced by just everything that you take in, like the kind of films that you watch, the kind of music that you listen to and stuff like that. So I think in in that sense, I almost think of it like like everything I do influences me because it just puts me in a certain mindset and also i mean just working with doug and jamie is a a big influence to me as well because i think we we approach the the game very collaboratively especially design wise and i think just having these two other people to like bounce insane ideas off was uh just like super fun and inspiring to hear their crazy takes on the even crazier things that I might come up with. That's fantastic. So the actual group think is your influence. That's brilliant. Although I'll just use a horrible trite term of group think. Apologies, everyone. <laughs> Next time I'll be saying things like outside the box and let's take this offline. I yeah. heard someone said to me, apparently, and they won't reveal who said it to him because if, you know, they said... Um, can we double click that for a moment? <laughs> Absolute no sense of irony or self awareness. I'm sorry. What? What does that even what mean? You, what? <laughs> Apparently, it meant to confirm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Let's not. I said, could you? I don't know. Can you report them to police or something? Or... <laughs> I'm not into, you know. Uh, I'm not, you know, Orwellian sort of. But there's there's limits. <laughs> but no, um, that's really laudable. And uh, each other, brilliant, influenced by well, each other, and the team. Great, of course. That's a great answer. The first time I've heard that, actually, in all the years I've done this show. No one's really... I don't think people... People have gone to all sorts of things. They've even gone to their pet dog. Again. Great. For reasons. <laughs> Apparently, it influenced them. He was doing something. Oh, actually, it's quite funny. I mean, but found it well. It found a, a version of what it was doing found itself into the game. So, next one. This one's also a bit of a toughie to answer. But it's it's important as well because it demonstrates to me that you're not living in a bubble, a fog-shaped bubble. I'm trying to imagine <laughs> what that looked like, but let's not. <laughs> you probably think sometimes you are living in that for the past three or four years, but it, you haven't been. It's fine. What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? 
And he came uh, I, one. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say it changes quite a lot for me, but um, just now there is a group of uh, four developers under the name Sock Pop Collective, and they've been releasing uh, twice a month for the past couple of years uh, these tiny little games that are really just playful and brilliantly crafted as uh, small stories and small gameplay experiences. But the way that they work and the way that they, um, I guess, build built a community just around really, really small games, short games, uh, I really admire that. And it's something that we, at the beginning of Fogs, had this whole idea of making a short game. And by the end of Fox, we realized <laughs> three years we hadn't made a short game. But I still really admired that. And anyone who can create something small that when you play it really stays with you, those, those are the developers, I think, that stick with me. I'm going to have to check this out. I'm embarrassed to admit I do not, I'm not aware of this. What's wrong with me? It's with a case. S-O-K-P-O-P. I shall, I shall have, I shall investigate. Because you're right. The mere act of saying, I'm going to make an experience that's only going to last maybe two hours, an hour, 30 minutes, 10 minutes. Um, you could argue, wait, they already did that with threes. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, the, uh, sorry, the, take a drink, everyone. I just mentioned threes. Sorry. That's. Really <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, oh. no, uh, I. That's that's yeah. The 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 focus the mind on to saying you know what because the one of the difficult most difficult things in video game creation is finishing them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, uh, yeah. It is very very hard, and to for them to go, oh no, that's what we do. That's what we're about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's all we do. We 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 set about creating a finite experience, and that's against um, everything that video games, you know, in the land of Red Dead Redemption 2 and etc, etc that seems to be the antithesis of what you're meant to do with video games, but no you can, and should so yeah anybody else, anyone else that you think needs a good shout out I mean I can't, I can't think of anyone specifically to be honest um, I, don't, I don't know that um, there's any one person that uh we well, can look at a practice or, or you know a company or a studio that you think oh yeah you you keep doing the thing you're doing <laughs> i mean yeah i mean i just to echo jamie's sentiment about sock pop it i think it's really cool that they are just spitting out these like really cool little experiences like um yeah just like really consistently um i think uh This is the sort of question that I get asked, and then every single example that I possibly have in my head just disappears. <laughs> I have to, I have to start from scratch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or afterwards, like towards the end of the interview, you go, "Oh, I should have said that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely, I absolutely will. Uh, <laughs> I, I would happily show uh, someone else, um, a developer, Stephen Lavelle, who has been working many years doing similarly small. Uh, if not much smaller uh, releases. And alongside those has released the tools used to make a lot of the games. So uh, Puzzle Script was a really, really brilliant introduction for me to making small puzzle games and it's free online tool you can use. And um, Flixie, which is another just really wonderfully small tool um, I'm I'm really drawn towards anything that allows you to make something at the speed you can come up with the idea. <laughs> In the same way that when I'm drawing, I can, you know, be thinking as I'm drawing, and it kind of becomes this flow state. If you can find these little tools that let you sketch something out, essentially, in-game form, I think it's a really wonderful way of working, and Stephen Lavelle's done a lot of that, as well as releasing... Really puzzle game like um steven sausage roll and there are lots of other puzzle games released over the years that are just 
incredibly devious. <laughs> yeah, Steven Seagal is is a legend. Uh, it's an extraordinary yeah. game, and uh, yeah, you think he got it. It's one of those games. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, 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 fool! Right. Last question of the first half. See, look, you made it. Last one, <laughs> last little hurdle. Here we go. And this one, that's easy, this one. Should be able to answer this one. It'd be fine. We're a video game podcast. We are, generally. So therefore, I have to ask this question, which is, what are you playing right now? I know Henry's answer. Do you know my answer? <laughs> uh I mean right right now I've been I, I've been playing through a couple of things. Uh I've been playing uh Sekiro recently. Right. Um I think we're we're all quite big fans of the uh uh sort of Soulsborne games. Uh and I finally picked that one up and and playing through that. Um I'm currently playing through Hellpoint, which is also a Souls Souls like game. Yeah. I'm streaming it actually. Have been streaming for the past three months. It's an interesting, you know, smaller team, so there are some quirks to it, but it's actually it's a it's it's but so tell us about Secura then. What's what, what I've not you know, what what's what's the thing that um differentiates it you think from the other Souls like games? Well, I, I think it's there there's a huge amount different with it. Like mm-hmm. it, it it's still a from software game it but is, yeah. the and it has the um it has a lot of the elements of dark souls games like you know sort of resting at bonfires type uh things to replenish your healing things but then the way that you play it is just entirely different because it's you know it's slightly more stealth focused and about um you know getting in and out of a situation or just like running around the outside of it and then you know bosses can just appear at any point in the world rather than in a like dedicated boss arena um so it's uh and also the yeah the the way that the the combat is more about just kind of keeping trying to overwhelm your enemy rather than being patient and uh waiting for an opening uh i find it really interesting how it is in such a similar vein as does uh, Dark Souls game, but just has a entirely different feel to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to jump onto Demon Souls on the PS5 when I'm done with Hellpoint uh, to see the comparison. And it's, I mean, Sekiro is one I haven't really delved into yet. Don't know why. I think I wanted to do Ghost of Tsushima because of that kind of same atmosphere and environment. I know they're very, 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 very different games. One's mm-hmm. more, one's nowhere near as complex as regards to its combat, but it's still interesting and entertaining. Uh, they're both, uh, but uh, you're right, and I do like the fact that bosses just appear rather than you have, rather than you sort of spending a lot of time preparing to take on the boss, which is the normal sort of mode of these games. But mm-hmm. like, oh, there it is. What? Yeah, it's just there. <laughs> no, I'm not ready. Yeah, yeah you are. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, you better be. You better be. But, uh, okay. A- anything else that uh, distracting you away from fogs? Uh well, I haven't been. I haven't played it, but I have kind of been given a tour of a Minecraft world with some friends of ours, including Henry, and just seeing what they've been doing and all these amazing places they've made is really inspiring. And I definitely come back to Minecraft a lot just as a creative space and somewhere that you can really relax and you can kind of carve your own little world out of. I guess that brings me onto one of the other games I've played throughout the last year, which is Animal Crossing on the Switch. And that's been just a lovely way to interact with friends and have this kind of cozy space to go back to. I I really love Animal Crossing. It's got so many. I mean, it's also a capitalist nightmare in a lot of ways, but what I, what I enjoy is just taking your time, being able to 
um, like slowly tw- tweak little corners of your island to look uh, very nice and cozy. And we've had numerous fashion shows inside Animal Crossing where we'll dress up in all sorts. We did a Halloween one where we had all sorts of Halloween costumes. That was a lot of fun. I, I too, uh, have been playing Animal Crossing, especially during the recent times, because actually I found it a nice coping mechanism because it just makes you drift away and realize, you know, things, you know, things are going to get better one day. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I too have been. I've got a, an island to the point where, inwardly, I actually have named for each territory. There's the town. Wow. <laughs> there's the wilderness. I've still got wilderness. I'm so happy that I've got wilderness. Right. <laughs> there's there's bamboo land. You can probably guess what that is. It's just surrounded by... There's bamboo trees everywhere. In the middle of it is this little lake. And around it, there's all these little like bamboo benches and other bamboo-related materials. And it's just... The, the townsfolk can't get there. In order to get there, they need to get, use a ladder. So none of the townsfolk... So it's like this little piece of peace for me because only I can get there. And it's just like... Yeah, it's just... I didn't... It wasn't deliberate. That's what I love about the game. It was it just it just happened that way. And it's a, and if you look at my island and go, man, that's really Chris's island. <laughs> there's even there's even a tribute to Outrun. Okay. So so basically I've got these you know those big sort of like stone sort of monolith things or arches. I went, Oh, that's uh-huh, like yeah. Outrun. So basically I built this road with like hundreds of well, about Fifteen of these things I've got. I've mined. Oh boy! Uh, and wow. I've, I've got all loads of them. And then right at the end, there's a little like car bed. I went there. You go. <laughs> <laughs> and then right at the end, there's a, there's a model of Stonehenge. So I got given by a balloon. Right. Okay. That's Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have that. <laughs> so I just yeah, it's just wonderful. It's just uh, every day you just sort of like drift off for an hour, and you just you know. It's just a thing you do, and people, and I'm still doing it. A lot of people dropped off of it, and that's fine. But I've been having fun as well with with making tributes to video games. Like I could start with Outrun, and then I started doing screenshots. So I actually dressed up as Samurai, and I said, well, "I'm not." Sure. And then I did a screenshot of me in Bamboo Land because it made sense <laughs> with an axe because he's got an axe, right? So it's like, and I went, "I'm not sure," and I wrote on Twitter, "So I'm not sure about this graphical update for Go to Shima." I just you know I've been doing that a lot and I've I've got a full set of armor I'm going to do the same with that so you know I'm not sure about this PS5 update of of Demon's Souls it's just a bit (laughs) twee a bit twee but um, yeah fair play to you and um, um, I think that's really it that's for for the first half if you're ready we can delve deep into the delights that is
your own words. What do you believe Fogs is? You go for this one, Jamie. You're better. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Fogs is a double-ended dog adventure, I think is the best way to describe it. You share a controller with your friend or with yourself, and each control one head of a long, wobbly, stretchy dog. Uh, each end, uh, there's red and blue, can grab onto various things in the world uh, to solve puzzles and traverse these silly levels that are filled with creatures to meet and puzzles to solve and lots of little hidden things that we've had a lot of fun placing around. Yep. Well, I'll say that we'll expand more on it, but yes, that that pretty pretty much puts it. You're you're basically an elastic dog with no legs, apparently <laughs> that can't really jump. We'll talk about it later, but it can bite things. He or she, they, they can bite things, and um, and it's a double-headed sausage dog that seems to be okay with not having any legs. It's fine. <laughs> That's just right. that's just the way they are. Just the way they are. <laughs> yep. So, with both sticks, analog sticks, being used in Fox, as has been the case with, you know, Brothers, which is a classic now, uh, although in Brothers you will end up crying at the end, probably, <laughs> 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 uh, because that is a kind of an emotional sort of um, roller coaster of a game. Uh, so both sticks are in use in Fogs, which means that the additional camera control, which is normally given to the second stick, as has been since, well, Mario 64, you could argue. Um, although they use the C buttons. But anyway, point is, the camera control is taken away from the player. Um, how did you find directing that camera, knowing that you had to what what that that's the thing that I just wanted to talk to you about is uh, knowing that you as developers had to be directors now had to be had to do that knowing that you had to take on that responsibility rather than granting that responsibility to the player and just littering the world with content and then you then then the player having to find it based on them swinging the camera around in this case fogs you haven't got that you have to do that. How have you found that? Or have I got the wrong end of the stick? What do you think? Um, I think that was it was a really interesting like experience taking that view as like as you said, kind of as the director, like us having to um really figure out how best to position the camera to point the player towards the right thing. Um and it was, uh, I mean, we had the, we had this whole whole system for uh, managing the camera and stuff like that that um, actually became quite nice to use by the by the end of the project to like just that let us really quickly test out views and stuff. But we we had we had all, all the sort of back and forth um, between us. Like, it's the it's the type of thing that we all. Um, touched because you know we had me and jamie trying to frame the puzzles as best as possible and then doug trying to frame the art as best as he could um show off his nice uh, set pieces and stuff um but it was uh i mean yeah we experimented a bit with different uh camera control schemes like we had some that like followed the direction that you were moving we did just discuss the idea of uh mapping it to maybe like other buttons and stuff like that but i think when that just kind of didn't make sense to us because if you were going to be playing it co-op then how would we handle players fighting over the camera and stuff like that like there's enough sort of push and pull with the fact that you have to choose the like same direction to move in to to get anywhere so adding the camera to that as well might uh might have been a bit much so yeah, I think it, it just took a lot of iteration to kind of figure out what was right for each um, each part of the game. And 
figure out when it was when it was right to show off a big view or when it was right to really like focus in on on the dog and um stuff like that yeah i, I think you've done a fantastic job of it that's why that's why my first design question for you because i can't help but congratulate you all of you for 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 knowing that it's so i was so when i immediately started playing it i started to use my right stick to move the camera I went i can't move, that's the other end of the fog <laughs> went oh right and then i had to remember what what it was like with with brothers and they didn't give you the camera control either they used that second stick and then all other games of similar ilk or or, or, or raji actually is another one that uh, doesn't really give you camera controls doesn't need to um yeah. You know, and uh, that's a game that actually featured in episode three hundred of this of this podcast, and uh, that that also um, so it's, it's it uses the the right stick for another reason and uh, or another 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 tool, um, and why not? You've got fourteen fifteen buttons on this bloody controller. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> open your mind, people. So, um, next question is on the design of the puzzles. They draw a lot of inspiration from other games, or other activities, or that kind of thing. And uh, but they, these games and interactions, they're sometimes altered or indeed enhanced on the premise that they feature a sausage dog that's elastic. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me? I mean, there's the ones that did work, but can you tell us what ones didn't work? Did you like what things did you explore and went, yeah, no. <laughs> this is this is not working. Can you give us any examples and tell us why they didn't make the cut? The the one that came to mind immediately when you were saying that was we had uh if anyone's played the demo or indeed the full game where you go into the kind of arcade level, uh we originally had this huge kind of test level with all these silly little uh, machines that you would jump inside, but they were much, much larger. One of them was a kind of pachinko machine, all these pegs uh, down a big board, but on the scale of, you know, if you imagine a cliff would be in real life and you would fall down and have to grab onto the pegs and swing yourself around as you fell. And we were like, oh, this is such a clever idea. We'll have these uh, really interesting bumpers that fling you around and you'll be zipping all over the place trying to find out where the exit is. But as soon as we played it, we realized the moment you drop in, you lose control of the fog and you just become this um, flailing sausage that for about five minutes you watch stretch into non-existence. <laughs> so that, that was definitely one of the highlights of ideas that didn't go quite as we expected them to i think um for me what instantly came to mind was uh probably the idea that we had that was the most sort of influenced from another game was we did have uh portals uh in the game for a brief brief moment <laughs> where um we would have to i think we were trying to come up with ways that um i could we could we like we had the the core idea of you know the players are kind of stuck together they're like tied together so you have to work together but we were trying to figure out ways where we could have them do things that uh sort of different cor different corners of of a puzzle area um and we decided to give portals a go but ultimately that just it felt it felt kind of counterintuitive to what the point of the game was which is that you were tied together and it was also just an absolute nightmare to control because you were having to like fit yourself into this little hole. And then it was like, really, we just couldn't really get it working well. So it just didn't feel good at all to like have both ends of this dog, uh, sticking out from different sides of the map. Um, so I think that was, that was one that kind of got, um, that is an idea that we just dropped fairly fairly quickly after experimenting with it. Yeah, too much of a disconnect. It, it, seemed, it sounds a bit jarring. And also, the mere act of severing the two halves of the fog, even though technically you're not, 
that's quite uncomfortable to think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all, it'll go against the spirit of the game, even though technically it would work. If it's underlying spirit of, no, these, these two are, are one, you know, and uh, that's the point of Fogs. These, yeah. these two little fellows, or I keep them calling them, I think they're male. I don't know why I think they are. They can be any, any gender. Uh, it's they, them, as they're yeah. the pronouns we yeah. use. Yeah. Um. But um, yeah, they, they uh, um, it's, yeah, that, that, you're right too. And also, going back to the the uh, lack of control, you know, taking away control, you can do that for brief moments in Fogs. And when you do that, it's quite funny. And when it's sliding down the worm and with going between each, you know, um, each each area. I mean, that's fine because it gives you a bit of point to relax to recover you know, and think about. Oh, I wonder what next puzzle I've got to got to face. Uh, I say face. I mean, it's not it's not it's not a, a chore or a struggle or anything stress inducing in any way. It's just like it's 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 a quite a relaxing and fun experience that you've made with fogs and everything. The visuals and the sound and the music is there's no sense of. Um, you know, imposing uh, impending dread. It's just you know, it's fogs. Go over yourself. It's okay. <laughs> Come on. I mean, it's a sausage dog. It's elastic. You know, <laughs> adventure time. Look, remember, see, it's fine. So, anyway, um, let's uh, let's move on to the next question then. Um, again, about level design, but this is another take, and this is a common, probably a common question. But I want to, let's, let's expand it and on it anyway. You can play Fogs both solo and co-op. This is true. Which means you had to design levels that could be finished by both one and two people. Um, which had to be challenging for both conditions. You know, there has to be some sense of accomplishment, whether you're playing with another person or on your own. How have you approached this unique aspect to co-op, co-op games uh, that could be played solo as well. How have you approached that um, challenge uh, with, when designing fogs and the levels? I think it kind of it kind of came naturally to us, I think with just the way that we were designing it um, weirdly enough. like a lot of a lot of what we wanted to do was make make the game not not we didn't want to make something that was going to have you sat thinking for about 15 minutes about um what the you know what the solution possibly could be i think it was always more about um kind of just executing it um and like figuring out just having a poke around with the the environment that you're in and seeing what might need to happen so I think it was always kind of more about, well, the the kind of challenge when you play co-op comes from having to coordinate with your partner. And then the challenge in single player comes from having to coordinate your two thumbs um, in order to get the fogs to do what they needed to do. So I think the, yeah, our, our sort of pu- actual puzzle design was never... It was always kind of about building on top of the things that we'd just given you so that um, it could be uh, but it could be figured out um, without like a huge amount of challenge, but just enough to enough to be like entertaining. but um, then yeah, the, it's it's more about the execution is where the the divide between um, single player and uh, co-op comes in and that was sort of more about how we wanted to create we worked on like the way that the the fogs control and stuff like that to try and achieve that and it's really whether playing alone and playing alone is a very different experience because Mm -hmm. you know you are it's just you and your brain and your understanding of how you're interacting with the game and often going, hang on, is that right or left? That oh damn it, you know you don't. Whereas it's in the co-op, it's normally I said break, I said it's that, uh. I said didn't I? The amount of times I've said the word I said didn't I? But no, it's like okay, we have to go around again, aren't we? Aren't we? Gosh, that's 
and those are very different experiences. Yet somehow, uh, you design levels that are still challenging. And that's and you, you're right. I think because you set out to make a game that does this, you knew that you had two challenges: the camera and the design of levels that were challenging for both, both interactions, both experiences, both collective, and indeed, um, uh, solo. And uh, because you set out doing that, you knew those challenges. You had to you had to embrace them, and your opening statement was, "Well, it evolved that way because it had to." We we knew that we knew the criteria that we had to set within each level, and one of them is we have cinematography. Basically, we had to be the cinematographer <laughs> for each level, and also we had to make sure that they were challenging both for when you're playing with someone else and when playing and. When you embrace that from the outset and keep hold of those two concepts throughout the whole design experience of the whole design creation process of Fogs, of course, you're going to be fine as long as you focus and always anchor that. Did you ever find it difficult to focus on those things? I think it was almost the opposite where we'd spent so much time, uh, at least for the first kind of year and a half of the project on puzzle design on uh the cinematography as you say trying to make sure players didn't get frustrated i think we'd spent so much time on that we lost sight of the kind of playful aspect of just being this strange creature this double-ended dog and so a lot of the work for the second half of the project was okay we have We've taken demos to show us. We've seen people play. We know that uh, it's just challenging enough to entertain people, but not frustrating. What do people do in between the puzzles? How do we make the space feel real and really come alive? And so much of the artwork and so much of the design was put into these small character interactions, having things that don't need to be there at all in order to finish a puzzle but by being there allow you to really embody the fog and become this yapping dog that's going around helping people and uh exploring and being surprised by the environment they and are think... being yeah the fog is the best dog is <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know they say oh well, can you pet the fog no because you are the fog and everyone pets the fog anyway <laughs> <laughs> And um, I'd loved one of the, the earlier characters. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm going to say spoil the fox, but there's there's these dudes just hanging from trees and stuff. It's like, who are they? It's like, just chilling, just hanging. <laughs> just, yeah, they're just there. Just there. They're, not, they're just. Do you, do you no no? <laughs> okay, well this dude needs some light. Why? So he can play his guitar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he can't see exactly. at the moment, so he just needs to light his lamp, and then he's going to play some guitar. Okay, that's fine. I mean, yeah. that that to me, that interaction, you didn't need to have it there. You could have had it so that there was no one there. There was no, they're not there. You know, just you could have had it so they'd light something up, and then you move on. But no, you you just like there's one wonderful bit uh, in the sleeping area where you. Sort of, um, you 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 give a you clear an area, and this, this chap is trying to fish, and he gets one of the what I call the happy moons because they're full of joy. <laughs> you know, when they're when they're on, they're not so happy when they're off. They're sad, but when they're on, it's happy moons. These big glows, I call them moons, and and it's it's just you know when you clear the area and he starts fishing, and it, it's just this wonderful cutscene that. Doesn't last very long, but it is just and there's a b- big bone at the bottom, and you and you jump in to grab the bone. It's just great. <laughs> it's great. It didn't need none of that needed to exist in Fogs, technically on, on a, a pure mechanical level, but that part was about experience of a game, and that's why you play games. And for me, that's one of the reasons I have you on the show because I wanted to talk to you about you creating a game experience more than just the mere act of playing a game, if you get my meaning. <laughs> last yeah, I mean, point. yeah. Last last question. I know all good things must come to an end, but there it is. Um The fox can't jump, really. 
Um, and they don't have any legs, which we've spoken about already. Why? I know. I mean, what? What? Why? Why? Why did you have that? There's a core aspect of them that they can't actually leap. Why? I think um, originally it was to kind of say, look, this isn't a platformer because we knew that the character that we had, it was like fun to control, but there's no way that we were going to do any sort of, I mean, we we experimented with it a bit and like we tried doing some um, like more precise platforming and it was just, it was just a nightmare. It just didn't work with the character concept that we had and the way that it controlled. So I think it was just kind of like we had the we have the little hop that is like it can help you get over some ledge like tiny little tiny ledges little or steps. something like that. There's a little yeah. like area with some where again going through dream area because it's one of my favourites and it's, it's <laughs> um, is uh, this little book and uh, a ledge of a book and you can you know yap. And he's all <laughs> that, that, that made me that made me chuckle a little bit. But yeah, um, sorry, you were saying it, it's you think it undermined the fog to be able to jump. Yeah, like even even that little hop was kind of more about that. It's like if you press the button, then you need to, like that's just about giving as much feedback as, to the player as possible to say this is this is the end of the dog that corresponds to the button that you're pressing. Mm. Um, so it's it, yeah, it was it was kind of we we didn't want them to we didn't want the game to feel like it was trying to be a like precision platformer because this sort of slidey wobbly dog doesn't doesn't work like that. No, no, they tried that with Sackboy and it all yeah. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was unfair. Little Big Planet and its platforming was yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean the, the Sackboy Adventures that's a great game that's, not, that's great it's really good fun they got it right there but yeah the, the slidey platformer the, the wobbly, you're right how can you do possibly do precision platforming with a sausage dog that's elastic it, just, <laughs> it doesn't work what are you thinking but it's it, it is something that you I mean that's the great thing about Fogs is that it takes away the things that you expect to find in um, th- 3D platformers which this really isn't it's a 3d action adventure that has you moving around the world not necessarily jumping between things but ever since you could probably again go back to mario 64 where that was like the one of the uh well not the earliest you could go earlier than that but one of the most famous uh 3d platformers but that's what it is and that's what mario is and if you want that kind of precision sort of control there's plenty of games for that it's fine However, if you want to control a sausage dog that's elastic with you and a friend potentially that has, you know, and also involves other things that you'll you'll know and love. I mean, there's some really awesome versions of arcade games and also indie games. I notice you give sort of nods to those as well. Um, is yeah, the, the Fogs is the place to be. So, Fogs? Uh, which is developed by Bitloom Games. Where did the name come from, by the way? Well, as someone pointed out recently, we had a big loom in the co-working space we were in. Right. And then we had this idea of the three of us collaborating, kind of weaving the game together. And if you think about computers, the smallest unit is the bit. So I guess it's a bit too clever but the idea that we're weaving bits together makes us the bit loom. That's a wonderful answer. Certainly beats colour animal. (laughs) 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 Which you could have ended up with. But, you know, uh, yeah, excellent. So, yeah, uh, Fogs is developed by Bitloom Games, published by Coatsync, uh, and is out now on... Now, this is according to your press release. So if his press release is wrong... Yeah, here we go, because I've got platforms wrong, but I'm going to read it out. It's on Nintendo Switch, uh, Xbox One. I played on Xbox One X, personally. Um, uh, it's also on, on Game Pass, I understand, for console. Uh, and I'm on P- Game Pass for PC, so you can play it on Windows PC. It's on PlayStation 4 and presumably 5. I'm assuming it works on 5. 
uh, and uh, Windows, and it's on Steam, and it's also on Stadia. So yeah, all of the platforms basically, pretty much. Yeah. So just... yeah, it's out there now. Um, it's been wonderful having you both on the show. Thank you. It's great. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I hope you uh, got something from it. I know I did. And uh, <laughs> we have because we've been going for quite some time, and we've had a lot of return guests. And I'm going to offer the invitation to you both, and and to, uh, to all of you actually, uh, if you want to come back on to chat about what else you're working on next, and probably in another three years, we will be here. Definitely <laughs> to, to, sounds great. So, uh, but in the meantime, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com.